Hello everyone. Welcome to Avoiding Entropy. My name is Tumultuous. I am your host. Whether you're new here or have just stumbled upon this or have been listening since day one, the first thing I'd like to do is say thank you. Um, I'm not doing this for any sort of financial gain, hence no advertisements on these, my TikToks or anything like that. I'm not doing this for attention as I have spent most of my life trying to attain that and failing. Surprisingly enough, the thing that got me the most attention and the time that it happened was when I was least seeking it. And the thing was when I was trying to do something for someone else. It's odd how ironic it is, but if you think about it in terms of balance, it's not ironic at all. It's exactly the way it's supposed to be. For everything has a balance. That's the only thing that we would be 100% sure of. At least one thing. There is a balance to everything. And the entire universe and everything you know is streaming towards getting that balance. The irony is that if that balance is achieved, everything stops existing. Because if you take the universe and you disperse evenly all the heat or energy, evenly, throughout every single space or area or whatever it is you want to call it, if all the heat is distributed, we would all die a cold, cold death immediately. So that balance can but will not be achieved. Just because that's the way things are. Everything in moderation, they say including moderation, right? Because moderation is a part of everything, no? It's, that's the paradox, that's the irony. No matter how far, how deep, you, how deep you dig, irony will always be there as a counterbalance to logic. Hate, love, dark, light, wet, dry. The perfect medium is only amazing when it comes to weather, and that's in California, in my opinion. 71 degrees, every day, all day, sunshine. I would never miss a cloudy day. Would you? Some people like the rain. See, I think it's like this. If you were to hypothetically have a box, a giant refrigerator box, inside of it would be a smaller box and a slot. In the slot would say 25 cents. And then you get to pull the lever to make wherever day you are, five minutes on the beach in a hot day, or five minutes on a mountain in the snow, or three minutes if you can get too cold or too hot. I believe that more people would choose warmth over cold. Who would want a cold day when you could have a beach day at any time? Isn't it interesting that we could only handle a couple of more degrees when we go up in temperature? For instance, our normal body temperature is 98.6 degrees. 104 degrees outside, picture that, that's hot. Even 98 degrees is hot. 71 is nice for us, some, some say a little bit higher. But if it was 120 degrees outside, which is only 30 degrees, actually not even, it's 20, 24 degrees. 20, wow, my God, my math is so awesome today. <laughs> 98.6, so it'd be 21.4 degrees. More than our body temperature, right? That'd be 120 degrees. You would want to go outside. When I'm in the Russian in the, in the sauna, it's at 100 degrees, 120. 
and uh, not, not too humid there either. It's 120 humid. Whew. Forget about it. But we can go down all the way down to zero in Fahrenheit. If it's zero degrees outside, yes, of course you put on clothes. But what do you do when it's that big of a difference upwards? 98.6 plus 98.6. Would you be able to go outside at 190 degrees? I don't think so. So our bodies were made to tolerate cold much more than it is to tolerate heat. We run hot, technically speaking. The balance is a little different in that sense. Why? Well, because we run at 98.6 internally. Everything externally is trying to keep that balance going. So if it was at 98.6 degrees outside, we would be too hot, meaning if our outside gets at 98.6, our inside will have to get even higher. And that's not possible because then we would die. Yes, your body temperature can increase when you're in a hot tub for an hour, but then your head starts to hurt, start getting dizzy. Everything is telling you to get out. When you're a little cold, all you got to do is move it a little bit. Move your tomatoes, as they say, and you'll be fine because you're bringing your inside temperature up to match your outside temperature. The equilibrium, the balance exists everywhere. And the more you try to force anything on one side and the other, the harder the other side will come back to you, at you, with you, for you, or against you. And you might not happen right away, but it's going to happen. And if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing happens, then believe you me, when it does happen, it's going to be all at once and it's going to be all the way back. They say it's hitting rock bottom. You know what would happen? You know how not to hit rock bottom? Don't climb. Don't climb. Just be. Don't go down, but don't go up. Just walk. Walk straight. People want to climb. They want more all the time. Tumultuous, how do I evolve? Tumultuous, I want to open my third eye now. Tumultuous, how do I ascend? Those questions are oxymorons. And by no means am I saying that the people that ask me these questions are not intelligent. By no means. They all have jobs. They all have things and they all have knowledge that probably exceeds mine in more than one category. However, in this particular instance, it is not their fault. It is the fault of the upbringing that they had or the surrounding or the environment in which they were brought up. Because if you want to evolve, you want to enlighten, be enlightened, and you wish to be ascended, then you would, perhaps will never be attended of such. The only way you would be is the day you stop wanting it. And I know it sounds like a complete oxymoron of what I'm saying, but in reality, the irony and the balance of it, it is an oxymoron to wish to be enlightened. You don't wish to be enlightened. And I don't know if I'm enlightened. They're going to say, oh, you're going to know. No, you won't. You won't know until you're dead. And if you know while you're here, you're either full of crap or you're Buddha himself. And to this day, I haven't seen another Buddha or Jesus Christ or anyone. People say that he's born already. I'm like, well, that's cool. We didn't really hear about Jesus till he was in his 30s anyway. It's then people started backtracking, backlogging, and seeing when he first started acting strange. And that's exactly what they called it. When Jesus was 14 or 12 years old, he was asking the high priest questions that made them scratch their heads. Maybe he just saw everything differently from a different perspective. He didn't know how to tie his shoelaces or wipe his ass. Pardon my French. But he knew how and where we would, what would happen to us after we died. That's the same way it is. So to those of you that do want to seek 
enlightenment and get it right now and attain and ascend and open your third eye and your fourth eye and your fifth eye and your heart chakra, your hand chakra, your, your nose chakra. Forget about chakras and forget about eyes right now. Just because you read a book with different colors on it resembling different organs of your body does not mean that you're going to be enlightened tomorrow. That is not what this is about. This is about being at peace. And the only way to do that is to be happy with what you already have. The most hard men, I would say, like real, real, like gritty, true dudes, in my opinion, were the people in, prehist not prehistoric, but right, they made historic times. People like Socrates, people like Aristotle, Plato. Whatever their habits were personally, I just think that their brains, the minds of a man, it's called stoicism, true stoics. Now the epitome of man is perhaps something that has changed over the years. What should a man be? What should he not be? Should he be stern? Should he be aggressive? Should he have feelings? Should, should he not have feelings? Stoics did not really have feelings. And it's not that they were sociopaths. It's just that they thought in a way of outside of everything else. <clears throat> they would put themselves outside of everything else, including care, thus getting rid of ego. They wouldn't judge from a specific standpoint. They said, every single one of them, a wealthy man, the wealthiest man in the world, is not one that has a lot of money. It's one who is happy and content with what he has. And if someone speaks ill of you, what you should say back is, I wish, it's a good thing they don't know my other flaws. Or they would have mentioned them first. Always find a way to be humble, but at the same time, not give a shit about what anybody thinks. Again, pardon my French. Sometimes I curse to emphasize my importance in this. And I do understand that to some people that is seen as not the best thing to say, but I, I assure you I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just trying to show an example of what it is to help people not look at it from this perspective because the definition of insanity is repeating the same action and expecting a different result. I've tried everything. I've read all the books. I know all my chakras, one through seven, and this purple, this is blue, this is white. Why can't I enlighten myself? I need to be enlightened now. First thing about enlightenment if you really want to get technical, is the absence of desire, to get rid of all desire. So if you desire to be enlightened, that is literally contradicting itself right there. But I'm going to want to eat. No, that's not desire. Wanting to eat is necessity. But something that you need to live is different than something that you want to live. Water is necessity. Eating is necessity. Television is not. Neither are clothes, really. Does that mean I should run around naked? St. Francis of Assisi did that. He gave up all of his riches and his clothing, and he went to live in the nude. And then he became enlightened. It's when you become happy with what you have, wherever you are in life right now. It is to be happy with that. It's okay to want to make money. It's okay. But if you were to stop making money today, would you be content with what you have? If the answer is no, you're not ready to be enlightened yet. You see... Humans and animals are not that different, as it turns out. Because when given the opportunity, we more than likely become lazy and unmotivated and use it 
against to what its actual purpose is. So let me give you an example. What are dogs? Dogs are man's best friend. Why are dogs man's best friend? Well, because dogs were, n were not dogs before. There were no such things as dogs, poodles, pugs, chihuahuas, Afghan hounds, German shepherds, pug, you know, I've said, said pugs already, um, beagles, all right, cocker spaniels, chihuahua, a poodle or a, what's the chihuahua mixed with the cocker spaniel? Cockapoo. No, that's a cocker spaniel and a poodle. None of those breeds were great Dane, but you know, for French bulldog, American bulldog, Aikida, Japanese Aikida. None of those breeds existed. There were no such things as dogs. There were only wolves. That's it. And when men would sit around a fire at a camp or wherever they were, and women, families, the wolves would circle. Maybe to snatch a piece of food, maybe to snatch a weak human. They liked fire, they knew that they could eat, so they started circling. Now a wolf behaves unlike most creatures. They hunt in packs, and they have a leader in the pack. The leader, if, or any wolf, it feels that it's dying, will leave the pack and go die on its own. Because it's not for what's good for him, it's for what's good for the pack. So these wolves would circle. Some wolves would get closer than others, because they were more curious. Maybe it had weaker character, if you will, than the leader of the pack, for, for instance. The men noticed this, and they started throwing uh, bones, scraps, food, anything they really didn't really need, close to the perimeter of where the wolves were circling. None of the wolves would touch it. None of the wolves were that stupid or that naive. The first day, maybe the second day and the third, but eventually one wolf cross that line between either instinct or whatever it is and ate a piece of that meat while the men were still there. Then they continued to do it and over time what they would do is they got the wolves so close to them that the wolves would eat out of their hand. Then little by little men started doing things to make the wolves completely dependent on the fact that they could not get food anywhere else other than the man. Then they bred them. And now we have cockapoos. So, much like that, humans are the same way with technology. Technology is not supposed to make us be lazy. It is supposed to help us advance further instead of maintaining where we are easier. I want you to see, every time you see the word convenience, convenience, I want you to try and replace it with for my laziness. So whenever you read the word convenience, I want you to read for my laziness. Convenience store, for my laziness store. For your laziness, we are going to put you on a call waiting list and call you back when we're ready. Instead of you being on hold and being able to complain two hours that you are on hold, thus pointing out the error in the person's job. For your convenience, these are provided for you, so you don't have to bring your own. Everything is designed that is designed for your convenience is now designed for your laziness. And even if you think it's not, it is. There are some things that are life-saving, of course, but your life doesn't depend on most of the things that say for your convenience. That is what's happening to the human race. That is why our children, if you have any, or if you are young enough to be a person that I'm referring to as a child, are mesmerized by their iPhone, iPad, tablet, and you can't snap them out of it, 
it is because they've become so dependent on it that that wolf is going to be a cockapoo soon, a little shih tzu that will follow that little tablet wherever it tells it to go. There was a case about Momo, the thing that, uh, that Japanese um, sculpture that somebody took and made a CGI out of and told little children to go downstairs into their kitchens, turn on the gas ovens and walk away and grab the knives, pointy things, and hurt their mother and father. And some children did it, not because they were stupid, not because they weren't raised properly, but because they are so glued to this screen that they literally followed orders from it. My daughter had the same thing. You know what I told her? She raised her voice to me once because I asked her a question while she was on watching a TV show. And don't get me wrong, I know people with their TV shows are sensitive. They get mesmerized, but this is not acceptable. So I just called, I said, excuse me, I'm really, really sorry for interrupting you. I understand that you are having a meeting with your master. That made her furious. That little lion lit up like crazy and said, that is not my master. I said, why? What do you mean? You just yelled at me. I'm not your master either, but I'm, I'm your dad. You just yelled at your dad because of something of a screen. You could pause it. And she, she I think it, after a while it clicked. It took a couple weeks. She, no, she has no idea where her iPad is. She doesn't care. She doesn't want to see it because she understands what it's like to be mesmerized. So perhaps sometimes when it's convenient for us, to leave our kids with this while we could do our other things. Perhaps maybe we should think about having our kids participate in those things. And not everything is work. My daughter wanted a pretend vacuum cleaner. She wanted a vacuum cleaner that was pretend. So I bought her, a, I took actually out my dust devil from my first apartment. It's a little dirt devil vacuum. I made the handle shorter. I colored it turquoise with spray paint. And I gave it to her and I said, this is a real vacuum now put a de decal on it of Minnie Mouse so it looks like a real true life vacuum this is no I want the uh, pretend one I said you could actually clean instead of pretending to clean and I, I told her like this is actually cleaning this isn't pretending it turned out that she didn't like it because it was the cord she wanted a cordless one my daughter's a little bougie but that's the things I'm trying to tell you when you were a little child if you were raised speaking Spanish or if you spoke Spanish growing up. One of the things that you should associate with Saturdays was cleaning, maybe the smell of Purple Fabuloso, because that's what I was associated with, and perhaps grocery shopping. When I was a little kid, my mother and I would walk, I would say about 15 blocks to go to the food store. She would have her little cart and I would have to carry bags home. Nobody had a car. We, did, we weren't uh, there yet. We had just moved. I was wondering to myself, why? This is so hard. But I did it every Saturday that I would dust, clean, and mop. No matter what. She would make me do that first. But why? I hated it. But why? Because now, that I'm sitting in my fully cleaned apartment without paying cleaning people to come in and do it, it smells like purple fabuloso and tomato sauce. And it's the best smell I've ever smelled in my life. And I'm really, really good with smells. So I have her to thank for that. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let technology and don't let the new world grab a hold of you or your children too much if you have them. Because if it does, and then the grip loosens, you won't know where you are. Stay the wolf while you still have that in you. Don't turn into a French bulldog or a boxer. 
or a chihuahua. Stay the wolf. Happy thinking. See you soon.